Hello and welcome to Are We Gundam or Are We Isekai? The internet's best episode by episode Gundam Seed Destiny podcast that decided that they didn't want to lose recordings of Gundam Seed Destiny online. So they started watching Gundam Build Divers and now they must reap what they have sown. My name is Jeremy. <laughs> I'm a beloved franchise mascot in disguise. I'm Tyler. Dear God, couldn't the vaccine have been earlier so I didn't have to suffer this hell? My name is Zach. I feel like we had to at least get this far. We can take this chunk off, right? But we had to at least get this far. I guess there's stuff in the next episode, too, if I recall correctly, that kind of further climaxes this. Anyway, before we get into this episode specifically, I think I may have figured out Build Divers. I think I may have done it. Okay. I think I may have figured out why all these people are so interested in Riku. So I was watching The Hidden Dungeon Only I Can Enter, my trash anime for the season. <laughs> I'm falling so far behind on that one. I don't really recommend you catch up. It's not great. So I was watching it, and I was like, wait, is Gundam Build Divers just a harem anime? The main character is bland and has no personality, and all of the more experienced (laughs) characters are interested in him for seemingly no reason. (laughs) Oh, no. I'm not sure how I feel about this interpretation. I think I'm onto something. I mean, you, you got a kind of a point, but... I think I'm with Tyler. I don't know that I'm comfortable with this. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's my bit for the episode. We will be watching episode 12 of Gundam Build Divers, Shining Wings. You can do so as well if you want. If you have Crunchyroll or the DVDs or know how to get to YouTube.com or pay for Funimation and really just want to use that and decide to do it for this. But there's so much other stuff that's better if you're paying for Funimation. Like the hidden dungeon only I can enter. I don't think that's on Funimation, actually. Okay, well. That's only on Crunchyroll. Like Code Geass? Doesn't seem fair to compare many things to Code Geass. Code Geass is on Netflix. Oh. This season has Kimono Jihen is coming out. Horimiya, which I've fallen behind, is coming out. They're both really good. Um, Like My Hero Academia. That's on Funimation, right? It's also on Crunchyroll. Yeah, I know. But you could use Funimation for it. This is also on Crunchyroll, Zach. It's comparable. I was trying to remember what the other show I was watching on Funimation right now is. Oh, it's uh, Supposed Kid from the Last Engine Boonies. Is, is there a shorter name for that? No. I usually just abbreviate them. I find one word that I think is going to be the easiest way to differentiate, like slime, spider, boonies. But Zach, if you if you say slime, are you talking about um, that time I got reincarnated as a slime? Or I spent my entire life grinding on slimes and now I'm overpowered? See, originally, slime referred to one thing because that other one didn't exist. It existed. It was just a light novel about to become an anime instead of an anime. That other one is clearly slime grind. <laughs> that sounds like something you ask a scripper to do in Dragon Quest. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have to talk about this episode. We can't delay any longer. So that's what the rules I mean, says. we could. Nope, the rules. I guess. So we start out seeing the asteroid with a battle happening around it. Cut in to Riku being like, break the world incident. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to wreck it. Riku just continues saying the last phrase of whoever he happens to be talking to. His role models are the champion and Solid Snake. And Palpatine is like, yes, GBN, where appearances are all that matter. All that matters is, are you a cute girl? Just ask your neckbeard friend over there. Callback joke. Ha 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 ha. I see you don't understand because you are an idiot child. That's why you all flock together like sheeple. Online sheeple. Wake up, sheeple. My eye glows red. (laughs) Anyway, thanks for coming to my TED Talk. 
Uh, then we get the opening sequence. Apparently, his eye glows red enough that it just causes opening. <laughs> oh, no. That, that is such a good superpower. Side effects may include anime opening. So we get back to the battle. Cut to a bunch of evil mobile suits getting destroyed by the defense team. And regenerating. And Ronald's like, how long have we sent the main characters in there for? Like, 13 minutes. <laughs> They're like, it doesn't feel like that long. That's not how long that episode was. Then Koichi asks, can we not talk to them? And Rumble's like, no, of course not. Plot reasons. It's too buggy for us to get a signal through. Cut back inside the asteroid. So apparently the champion has caught up to Riku, so he's got his parked outside. Sharyar and Tiger Wolf are also here. Because plot required them to show up at the same place at the same time. Meanwhile, the break decals are making people grow while Palpatine monologues some more about how people who like GBN suck, actually. And Riku's like, what? No, GBN's the best. It's a world of serious Gumpla battle. I'm too hardcore for you, old man. And Palpatine's (laughs) like, it's stupid. It's dull. And I don't like it. Oh, no, we were Palpatine all along. I'm okay with that. Riku's like, just because you're obsessed with cheating doesn't mean this place sucks. You've never played a real Gumpla battle. And he is like, it is you who have never played a real Gumpla battle. Back in my day, we (laughs) Gumpla battled uphill both ways in the snow. (laughs) He just goes off on it like, you've never felt the true weight of a Gumpla battle. And Riku's like, oh no, I can only repeat what you just said, which means agreeing with you. I have been tricked. (laughs) He's like, I must break it. I'm so angry, I'm starting to static like an old TV. My emotions have made me so destabilized that my connection is going bad. He's actually in real life just like waving his fist around and he keeps hitting his router. But Sarah's like, oh, why are you crying? See, this is foreshadowing. She can tell he's crying because he is in fact a gumpla. Oh, is that what that was supposed to mean? I'm joking, I think. But but who knows? (laughs) I'm pretty sure he's joking. Who knows? Uh, anyway, the champ and friends are here, and the champ's like, I want to hear you out in case you love GBN. And Tiger Wolf is like, I use tackle! <laughs> <laughs> Tiger Wolf uses tackle, and he's gone! How did he disappear? Oh, he's an evil Haro. He's that evil Haro that we always pointed out in Gundam Seed. Yeah, he gets tackled. It's, he was an illusion all along. He is just evil Haro. And they're like, a Haro? This was highly improbable. So the asteroid's falling apart, because... I don't know, it did at the end of Char's counterattack. We see the bird get squashed, and Ayami's sad-looking SD Gundam just sitting in the rubble. A rising Gundam that is a break decal user gets cut up by Koichi, and the lasers shoot out of the sack. They're like big, evil, purple lasers. They destroy a psycho Gundam, only to reveal Bigzim. A bigger Zim, even. It's apparently red, because it's three times bigger than a normal Big Zam. No, it's just got the purple aura. It's still green. It's also got evil purple lasers. Mac is like, how big is it? And like, three times the normal size. No bigger. And like, what scale is it? It's like, oh, they're probably cheating and just adjusting scale control. Which, I mean, we had seen one of the previous brake decal users change size with the brake decal. So, like, that's kind of there. But that actually raises an interesting question. Could you just build a ridiculously huge model for, like, novelty purposes and scan it, and it'll respect the scale. I mean, spoilers for Build Fighters, that happens a couple times, but I, I don't know if it respects scale in the system, right? Because you could fix that and just have them all be scaled to the same size, right? Which seems like the logical yeah. thing to do for a video game. Well, especially because it needs to be a certain size to fit on the platform. 
That's true, too. It feels like you could only get a 144. Although maybe you can buy a bigger platform, buy all our accessories, <laughs> so you can use all the play sets and toys. Anyway, all the main characters are back together now, as the champion Tiger Wolf, Shariar, and Riku come out of the exploding satellite. And Sarah is waifing. Yes. Waifling, if you will. And so Rommel is like, did you get our target? And Champion's like, I'm sorry, I let him get away. I mean, he should be throwing Tiger Wolf under the bus. Tiger Wolf was the one who couldn't control himself, but... But the Champion is somebody who's not going to throw another person under the bus. That's Shariar's job, and he's not doing it either. Anyway, wasn't the plan just to identify the guy? Yeah, the the plan was to identify him. And they, they didn't identify him either. Because he's using a guest account. That's why he's a Haro. He's just pretending to be a real boy. With holograms? Horograms? Big Zam fires its laser. Pew. All of its laser. And then those lasers split into more lasers, because they like lasers. My first thought was, you had the perfect opportunity to shank the champion, because he's not paying attention, doesn't dodge, but he doesn't shoot the champion. Yeah, he just shoots all around. Also, the champion would have dodged if he did. But he wasn't paying attention. They didn't even know it was there. At radar or something. I don't know. And so the champion orders everybody to spread out. Might I point out, this is in effect where he fired a scatter laser that basically just covered the entire sky. So spreading out ain't going to do you any good. In fact, bunching up might actually be a better option because then you could use the overlapping shield wall technique. I was thinking the exact same thing. Although it does look kind of shotgunny. Like the laser comes out and then would blast all of you if you were in a group. The way they look is that they're going everywhere, so he's hitting people because of the fact that it is a shotgun. He's not really aiming it so much as he's just firing it everywhere, so spreading out isn't going to help. It may not hurt, though. It's. It, I was waffling whether it actually made any sense. I propose a Monte Carlo experiment. I do like how after that, Riku's response is, Is the Haro guy controlling it? Haro guy. Haro guy. Who else would be controlling it? I know one of his mercenaries. Yeah, some random other guy. I do love how we find out that, yes, it is the Haro guy, and he has arms coming out of his Haro as he is piloting it as a Haro. It's very good. It looks very dumb. I kind of love it. Anyway, he he pushes the maximum cheating button, which causes Sarah to throw up in her mouth a little bit. You fought the brake decals, but have you fought maximum brake decals? It feels like this B Gundam here is one that I should recognize from somewhere. They put some focus on it, like it is front and center, because it's got like it's got like the B rear end, and it's got a stinger looking arm thing, which like the arm thing looks kind of neat. Anyway, he cheats so hard we see circuits, and the mass divers are like, "What? Well, I didn't sign up for this." No, what's going on? Uh, apparently, whatever it is he's doing is causing it to spread. It's also causing lightning in space. Well, it's because he's brake decaling so hard, he's doing damage to the server architecture. Shh, Zach, don't spoil it. Oh, sorry. He shoots more scatter lasers, we see some cool dodging, we see some people try to do cool dodging and explode, and then we see space get torn open. Slash to open, Jeremy. We, we might as well get it right. It looks very pretty. Anyway, the GM calls the champion and says, uh, yeah, your shit is fucked, it looks like. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing... But apparently the lightning is a bug that infiltrates the main program. So he's literally fucking with the server architecture. Yeah, what does main program mean in this arch- in this context? It's actually running its own operating system, so it's actually messing with the kernel. I see. Okay. Like I said, my initial thought was the actual 
server architecture that's working off of. GM is like, yep, it erases the system data. It's bad. And GM is like, well, isolated the server, right? So the damage will be limited to this. And GM's like, that should be the case. But the writing is so inconsistent. It seems (laughs) the bug is leaking out. And we see at other servers that stuff is going bad. I mean, on the one hand, I can kind of understand that part because if it's attached to all the people who might have had a break decal, as we were seeing that it's spreading to the other people, that if there are people with break decals in those other locations, maybe that's why it's spreading? Yeah, that does make sense. Although, as we'll find out, this wasn't even Palpatine's plan. So apparently he's just so good at making cheating cause bugs that he accidentally did this. He's accidentally playing fifth dimensional chess? Yes. He's just got coincidence powers. Although he comments later that he was surprised how effective it was. So anyway, Rika's like, destroy GPN? That's the worst possible thing that could happen. And I will admit, it is at least stakes, which are far more than this show usually has. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, it's like, how would you initially solve this? Well, a server rollback and a maintenance to get rid of all the bugged data. Yeah, the server might be down for a week or two, but it's not that big a deal. If the bug is physically melting the servers, we don't know because we only see the space hurricanes. We only see what it looks like from the player's perspective, which is that lasers blow them up. I suppose that makes sense. Although a new server farm would also fix it. Apparently this is the most famous or most popular thing on the planet, so it shouldn't be that hard to get a new farm. Yeah. You would probably lose all your data, so a lot of people would quit. But it does not seem like a long-term way to destroy it. Unless, they, I don't know. He infected the program, Zach. The mainframe. And the firewall was destroyed. Tyler, you want to add some more uh, technical terms onto that? I was just going to say that they're probably just hosted in AWS with a dynamic Kubernetes cluster. So they're melting Amazon stuff. And a Haro Palpatine is like, ah, this place sucks and now it will be destroyed. This is the fragility of this realm. Look at how shit their code is. Riku repeats what he just said. And the champion's like, yeah, the bug admitted by that black exam is affecting all of GBN. And Riku's, how come? But because of the wave output, is amplifies and diffused by all of the mass divers' gumpla. It's like relays. Zach's theory makes sense, but also doesn't, because if this server is isolated, how is it transmitting to the break decals and other servers? You would think he would need transmitters on all of them, which you think he could do, but is not stated to be what he has done. Well, depending on how they had the server locked down to initiate that particular signal, like, I don't know how it works. No one does, Zach, especially not the writers. Anyway, Maggie attacks one of the mass divers. She's like, hey, don't attack us. And she's like, no, I didn't do it on purpose. It's my gumpla is moving on my own. And Maggie's like, well, I guess if you didn't try to murder me now, you were, you know, in part of the force that was trying to stop us and was cheating and on the bad guy's side. But you'd face like a small penalty if I destroyed you. So I can't do that. I'll feel guilty. He says, we were looking, just looking for an easy way to get strong. And my first response to that is, Waste them. If they're acting as antennas and boosting the output, maybe destroying all of the, you know, quote-unquote antennas will fix or at least slow the problem down. And it's a small penalty. Wipe it out. Who cares? As I say, but Zach, a minor penalty. I will agree. It is super weird that they try to garner sympathy for these characters now, right? Especially after last episode, I was like, oh, these are all mercenaries who don't care about GBN. But now we have all the people who do care and we're supposed to feel bad. It just, it feels super tonally dissonant. Yeah. And the thing is, like you said, they were fighting against them. Like they were actively trying to stop them. 
And now you're trying to basically turn that on its head? That seems tonally dissonant. It's just weird. And you really shouldn't have tried to do that. It doesn't make any sense. It just highlights how none of these characters have motivations, right? They're just here to be in gunplay they can draw. But uh, it seems like Tiger Wolf and Shariar don't have any such compunctions. They're more worried about how they're not going to get through the small fly fast enough. Yeah, I mean, if the thing gets destroyed, how will they flirt with each other? They'll have to resort to aim or discord. They'll just have to flirt with gifts, like barbarians. I was thinking opening up a uh, second life account. You know Tiger Wolf already has one of those. Yeah, that's true. Maybe Shariar does too. The champion is like, hey, me and Rama will go try to get it. Everybody else cover us. And Riku's like, me too. And his friends all act aghast and surprised because, you know, if he dies, he'll face a small penalty. Sending Riku in with them makes some sense because he's got all the close range firepower. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, why would you go? Instead of using like the intelligent reasoning, I'm primarily close range firepower. It's like, I want to help protect it too. And everyone's like, oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. This would be great if this was like a big change in Riku's character, right? But this is the same trivial nonsense he's been babbling the entire series. So it has no impact at all. I mean, the closest it would be is the fact that he's going against what the champion said to do. But even then, it's not like there's anything that comes out of it. The champion doesn't try and dress him down over it or anything like that. He's just, all right. Which, I mean, makes sense, since it's not like they have the time for them to pause for a dressing down. Or, you know, the champion really has any authority over him anyway. And being on the champion six is probably the best way to cover him anyway for Riku. But at the same time, like I said, he is going against what the champion told them to do, but he's not giving anything up. As you said before, he's not making a meaningful choice to change anything here. The series wants to play it as a big moment where Riku is like stepping up but it's literally what he's been doing the entire time so there's no impact if riku had been like more uncertain of things before going into this then that would have made more sense as a uh, character moment or a big moment for him but that would have required him to have a personality that requires him to like experience emotions that might not make him a blank slate and failures he doesn't necessarily have to experience failures for this to work i don't think no, but failures are a good metric for character growth. So the champion is stunned by all the people who went to back him up, even the people who are on his own force and I presume do it all the time. It's not like these people were recruited as volunteers to do this very freaking thing. I love how there's another furry on Rommel's team. She's like a squirrel with one eye. Yeah, it I seems super love weird it. to me. There are a couple characters that just show up for the first time in this episode that I feel like we should have seen before. Not like we need to know their deals, but like should have appeared as background characters before. And this is one of the top ones of she's just here now. It's way too designed to be a throwaway character, right? Yeah. Which means this was planned. I don't think she was in that episode zero. I know the guy that pulls up to assist Rommel, the dude in like the black. Is, is that a Hyzak or is that a, uh, I think that's a Hyzak. Oh, the one that pulls right along him? I believe that's a Jag Doga, but, but I could be wrong. I'd have to see it again. I believe he is in the, like, that 15-minute episode zero thing that we didn't actually do an episode on. Ah. Uh, so, like, him, I know we've seen before. But Kat and, like, the B-girl who just shows up, and again, she looks too designed to be a throwaway character. It seems like she should have popped up before, and there are a few others. Honestly, the B-girl, I think, kind of fits in with the Daniel custom. She's also driving that B-Gundam. 
So the reason why she might be designed is it's trying to basically reinforce that she's that Gundam's pilot. But that Gundam doesn't mean anything to us as viewers. But if it was a Gundam we'd seen before and had a reference point for, then it would make more sense. Because like I said, she feels too designed to just be another throwaway. You know who I missed this episode? Randy. Gone before his time. I was trying to come up with a joke about him being in seventh place and uh, just no- nothing great there. <laughs> Bunch of people jump in the way of lasers for Rommel. And so the, they get a lock on the head of the, of the Big Zam. And big surprise, the beams don't have any effect because it has an eye field. What? It's almost like they don't know what the Big Zam does at all and they're all loveless ones like last week. These are all people who should explicitly be like, oh, this isn't going to work. It's definitely going to have an eye. That's the, was the Big Zam's big thing. I mean, it would make some amount of sense if they expected it to have an eye field. I mean, she says, of course it has one. But at the same time, like, they pull up and start shooting. I feel like it would make more sense if they were like, okay, we it's in Big Zam, so it's probably got that. So you guys stay here and start shooting. And so they start shooting while the champion, Riku, and Rommel just keep going instead of stopping. You know, kind of as actual cover fire. So the Big Zam fires main cannon, and Riku's like, oh no, I'm gonna get hit. He just stands there. And Piccolo's like, why didn't you dodge? He wasn't even at a full Nelson. When I first saw that, my first thought was, why did the champion just sacrifice his machine to save him? But then I, like, processed it and was like, no. I mean, it makes still no sense as to why anybody would bother to save him out of all of this, but, uh... It was his second-in-command, the glasses girl, who jumped in front. So that's a character moment for her. She's now fallen into his harem because she believes he's a good fighter. (laughs) Yes, I was going to say this is a full circle because she didn't believe in him before, but now he does. The show did forget the part where there should be a reason that she believes in him now. Where she has to (laughs) see why she should think he's got it instead of just being told. Which goes back to my harem theory. is that She's just like, ooh, but he's so bland. I'm into that. <laughs> he he has the harem protagonist EX skill from Fate. Yeah. Anyway, uh, she's like, can you move? And Riku's like, yeah. Apparently that was a pretty pathetic laser or main cannon shot because she's still around. Well, she's on the champ's force. So the champ's like, okay, while it's cooling down, I'll get to close range and destroy it. You know, like Amuro Ray did to the big Zam. And now Tiger Wolf is like, all right, I'm going to save these brake decal guys because they were tricked by the Haro too. Cut to Ayame. Oh, man. She's such a good character. It's, she's so wasted this episode where she's very shonen dramatically trying to get her mobile suit to move while everything is being destroyed around her. This would be incredibly dramatic if her, the consequence for death would not be a small penalty. Or if she were trying to get to the fight, if she was like, oh, I got to help. I got to make up for this. But as we'll see later, she's just trying to get out of here. When it first showed it, my first thought was, is it not moving because she has a brake decal and it's got control? But no, she doesn't have one. It's just not moving. I assume it's damage from her earlier fight. Yeah, I mean, that that makes sense. Anyway, they friendship save her. The members of Ryuki's team who don't matter and aren't doing anything. Yeah, they're like, well, we aren't doing anything else. We might as well get her to safety because she might suffer a small penalty. But Ayame is unreasonably grateful about this. Well, she's in a very emotionally vulnerable spot. That actually makes sense. She bared her pain and all that in the last episode to Riku. So now to have this basically reaffirm that maybe this is the right choice. I I can see that. Cut the big Zam, which doesn't use its tow missiles, which is a little sad. Yeah, it does. Oh, yeah, you're right. It does. Never mind. Other lieutenant takes a tow missile for Riku. 
which also gives Kyoya the opening to get in. He does some cool flips to avoid other tow missiles. And Rommel comes in with his chain sword. He's like, drive me closer. I want to hit him with my O. And dramatically <laughs> stabs it in the crotch and it just breaks. He also has normal break decal invincibility. And the champion's like, well, if your chain sword didn't work, surely me punching it will. Oh. Well, he's got a punching sword, which also doesn't work. It's weird that they refer to them as zero range attacks, as opposed to like melee, like anything else would call it. Tyler, that's how no no see, that's how it's listed in the <laughs> game's code. They're the melee attacks that are listed as range zero. So in the way online gamers will, they just gave it a really stupid name. This strikes me as a thing that just sounds better in Japanese, because it often gets referred to that in other Gundam media as well. Because it's not just that melee attacks work. The eye field is projected outside, so you can get inside the eye field. The Big Zam is actually destroyed by a beam rifle. Amuro is just so close, he's inside the eye field. Yeah, that makes sense. I was just making fun of their nomenclature. But I, I think I agree. It's probably something that just makes more, or that sounds better in Japanese. Everybody is aghast at Rumble's sacrifice. It's a shatter screen of close-ups on people. I do love Evil Haru maniacal laughing. <laughs> it, that is pretty great. And all of the tow missiles uh, regenerate. And he's like, even the champ and Rommel, who's pretty cool, can't beat me. But we also have a rhino, who again, over-designed for a character we've never seen before. It's like, oh man, how could we possibly win? You know, saying dramatic things. As it's evil purple becomes an evil or black and purple. And Riku just goes around the battlefield while Sarah is coughing and waving harder and harder. But the champion's like, don't give up. Never, never give up. He's carrying his two subordinates. One of whom isn't even damaged, as far as I can tell. <laughs> the champion's like, stand with me. I'm a cool guy. Apparently Rommel is fine in his ex crushed, exploded mobile suit. He gets a cut in as well. Yeah, I was very confused by that. <laughs> he got the opportunity to respawn because he's such a high-ranked player. <laughs> Rika's like, yeah, I have to protect GVN because it's precious to me. Because, I mean, if there were reasons it was precious to me, this is definitely where the anime would put a montage of all the times GVN was super important to me. But I don't really have a character, so there's no footage to pull. All my friends are shocked at this dramatic revelation, apparently. I didn't know he loved GVN. I thought he was just, like, real casually into it. <laughs> Again, it's the same problem as before, only now the series has done it twice with no meaning either. But this time, he loves GBN so much that his mobile suit starts glowing. Sarah's like, you did a good job. Wave powers. Activate. His mobile suit looks like it's getting ready to go ultra instinct. Da-na-na-na-na-na. And she's like, yeah, it's like in Zeta and Double Zeta. It's just tapping into your feelings and wants to release it as power. And Riku's like, repeat what you just said. That's all I can do, even with you. <laughs> And she's like, yeah, you should, like, Transam. And Riku's like, oh, are you sure? And again, this would work way better if the, him not using the Transam was billed as a confidence thing instead of him just arbitrarily deciding not to use it. Like, if he tried to use it in the Battle of Ogre and then had second thoughts and, like, couldn't bring himself to do it and he needed this affirmation, then this moment works. Or even if he had started to use it in the fight with Ogre and then immediately shut it down because he thought it was going to break. Yeah. But now a cute girl told him to do it, so... He'll do it. This is the conviction of Riku's promises. They last until a cute girl tells him to do otherwise. To be fair, the promise was to that cute girl. True. So he transams. I'm not sure what he's flying through that he's causing all the explosions. I assumed he was bouncing off of rocks or something. But they were big explosions, like mobile suit killing explosions. He destroys a tow missile, but I don't think that we're supposed to think all the other ones were tow missiles. 
So he just Trans Am attacks him, and he does big shock. He doesn't break it either. His sword shatters. And he's like, what about my other sword? Oh, shoot. Well, what about my other sword? Oh, punches. I'll punch your eye out, kid. So he breaks his hands. Sarah, my Trans Am seems to be breaking real bad. You promised me this wouldn't happen. (laughs) I just love the way evil Haro in the cockpit looks. Apparently, Riku's motivation is so motivating, it gets his team and everyone else to assist. This is literally what they're doing here. Many of them just shooting beams that shouldn't work. Beams that they know don't work. I assumed he gave them all time to get inside the eye field. Except for the fact that they're too far away. I don't know how far Shroud is supposed to be. Pretty small. Like, a a Gundam can fit in. It does bring up the question that this show isn't prepared to answer of, would a Universal Century eye field work on non-Universal Century beam weapons, since they work on different dynamics? But this show isn't prepared to answer that, and I assume in any reasonable video game it would. Sarah's like, I also don't want to give up. This would also be better character motivation for me if I had ever shown any tendency to. But anyway, I want to be with you forever. They showed a shot of Rommel, and it looks like he's also missing a leg and an arm. So he's got, like, one arm shooting at it. And Riki's like, yeah, I'm into Yandere Girls. Sounds good. And then it turns out his Trans Am engines are from the Kurne Gundam, and he starts Moonlight Butterflying. Oh, God. Yeah, I knew you would hate this, Zach. It's not good. The thing is, <laughs> not in any other show, but this ending it's not my favorite i know you really don't like this sort of ending zach but these work fine if the emotions are in play right see i don't mind it but this is literally he's just winning due to plot because plot can't be bothered to explain how else they're gonna do it this isn't earned and i think if it's earned emotionally it's fine to do this but like i keep criticizing there's no these characters growing this isn't that time in um Darling in the Franks, where the two characters have makeup sex so good that their robot turns Super Saiyan. <laughs> well, like, you, you brought up the Moonlight Butterfly out of uh, Turn A, and, like, I don't actually have a problem with it in Turn A. Number one, because it was mentioned before it happened, so, like, it, it was foreshadowed as existing. But here... They don't really earn it. He just basically gets a power-up because deus ex machina. We can't explain how they're going to win this. Yeah, because there are only five minutes left in the episode, so... So he gets a god power? It's just not good. Like, I sighed when this came up. I don't generally care because the heroes, generally speaking, in most series are going to win. Like, that's just something you accept. The protagonists are going to win. In, you know, the end, they're just... That's just what happens. We don't generally watch or pay attention to fiction where the good guys lose. That's why they're such a rarity. But this is just like, oh, we need to fix this in a hurry. Uh, Just give him god powers. That's fine. And Gundam has a long history of pulling things out of its ass. Shar's counterattack, which I love, does end with them just magicking the rock back into space. But again, that works emotionally because it's all of humanity coming together. Even the Xeon troops that were under Shar pushing back, and, you know, they all disappear in that. It has a cost of Amaro and Char's life. Even if it is deus ex machina in a literal sense, it works emotionally and has a cost. This has no emotional impact. And that part where you're talking about Char and Amaro is basically Amaro saying, no, humans aren't the total shitbags you keep saying they are. Yeah. And it's proving it to Char that you're mistaken, and, like, the emotional impact is there. Here it's just, all right, Especially because it's a game. There isn't this huge big deal. It's not the world. It's a game. 
I think you could even make that work, right? As long as the character's emotions are there. But the big emotional revelation is Sarah wants to hang out with Riku and his friends. The thing she's been doing. There's been no conflict there. If this was Ayame, it would be way stronger. And they haven't spent like any time with Sarah. So it's like, I like hanging out with you. Okay. Like, I don't know anything else about you, so I'm not sure why I'm supposed to really care that much. Other than the fact that you've got a name and have been around since episode one. So Ayame is watching and she's like, what's this bullshit? I mean, it seems very Gundam, but... And the butterfly rings wrap around Big Zam and start melting the bug. They start destroying the break decal code. It unbreak decals it with a wing hug. <laughs> and Koichi's like, huh, don't know what's going on, but it's unbreak decaling all of them. And B-Girl's like, hey, I have control again. And the sky went back to normal. And Maggie's like, ah, I'm super into this. I love deus ex machinas. (laughs) They would. And Palpatine is like, what is this bullshit? What's going on? This doesn't make any sense. Why didn't anyone tell me he had one of those? And then apparently this is so strong that it fixes the bugs in all of GBN. Yay. On top of that, if you're going to pull some bullshit like this, it has to be the last fucking episode. I do wonder if this was originally going to be a 13-episode series, and then they had to adapt and do more. Because it feels super the last episode, right? Yeah. Anyway, Tiger Wolf's like, I can't let Riku do anything. Let me steal the kill real quick. See, what happened is that Riku applied a really heavy defense down debuff. But it doesn't actually deal damage, so someone else has to deal the damage to take it down. Shinten rules. Which is why everybody else uses their super attacks to take it apart. So Tiger Wolf punches off a leg, and Sharyu's like, I can't let Tiger Wolf do anything. I better shoot it and steal the kill. And at this point, like, it really feels like they're just trying to fill for time. Yep. Because we're getting a lot of stock footage attacks. And Sharyar's is so long. And we go with the full version of Tiger Wolves. And the champion is like, no, I get Killing Blow. I'm the champion. That's the rule. I also just realized this time that it's called EX Caliber and not Excalibur. And that, I think, is a truly genius name. (laughs) I think that's just the way he pronounces it. I think it's probably supposed to be Excalibur. No, because EX is also a thing that they add in video games, like skills or EX. Yes, I believe that is definitely what they're going for here. For what it's worth, that is exactly how the uh, Arthur applies her Excalibur Noble Phantasm in the Fate Go video game. It looks basically exactly like that. Many people think that is a deliberate reference. And Riku's like, no, I'm the main character. I should get the finishing blow. Green wings. Go. My, My friends assist. And then there's an explosion so big that we have to cut to butterflies and a peaceful gun tank looking up at a rainbow. In the middle of fucking nowhere, just randomly, although I think that was supposed to be the island where they had the bear challenge. Yeah, and then there's also Tiger Wolf's base and the field of the flowers that got blown away. See, GBN is safe. Aren't we all relieved since we care so much about GBN and all the memories we have here with our friends Tiger Wolf and Sharyar? Well, of course, being against GBN or hating GBN is uh, the (laughs) the worst sin someone can commit. Apparently... It is now condition normal, as that is what the GM is looking at. The GM's like, good job, guys. I know you didn't do anything, but good job. And the champion's like, hey, we did it. Mission complete. I guess nothing really stops him from trying again, but actually, when I think about it, we didn't accomplish any of our mission objective. But <laughs> Yeah, their objective was to find out who he was, 
Yeah, they destroyed his in-game gunpla, but like you said, there's nothing stopping him from coming back and doing it again. Well, it's the last episode, so he'll never bother us again. What do you mean we got 13 more to go? <laughs> so Yuki and his friends fly up. I do love that Yuki's like, hey, are you okay? And Momo bucks in, is like, no, more importantly, is Sarah okay? I don't care about Ryu Riku. And then uh, Koichi has the most important question of all. Uh, I love how his, his first thing is, how did you do that? And my immediate thought is, yeah, that actually is the most important question, despite what the other two seem to think. I actually specifically also like that they're like little intercom things can push each other around because that's very dumb. And I kind of like it as a visual gag. It's a good visual gag. And Mo was like, that was pretty. I liked it. Please install one on my penguin. No way. Penguins <laughs> can't fly. Never mind. It would not be canonically accurate. So Sarah hugs Riku and he's like, yes, I'm into this. I'm going to have weird complexes about girls in video games in the future. But that's future Riku's problem. And that's the end of the episode. Boy, that sure was a conclusion. Oh, dear God. Like I said, I am fine with this as an ending to even like this arc, but it doesn't earn any of it. There's no emotional stakes here, which is such a letdown after last week. Like I said, I wouldn't have any problems with it if, as you point out, if there were emotional stakes to it. But instead, it's just, it exists. Like, here, here look how cool this thing he can do is. Why can he do that? How can he do that? Can I get some answers? Can I get some emotional stakes as to what that means? Uh, Zach, your gunpla is crying. My gunpla can meet a freaking baseball bat if it doesn't want to explain itself. I feel like inanimate plastic is usually bad at explaining itself. That's why it needs waifs to do it. <laughs> <laughs> that just means you're not speaking the right language. The reason why I did well in my last game of uh, 40k was because I made all the marines watch a video of me microwaving a different mini. So if they didn't perform, they knew what was going to happen. So you're the villain of Toy Story, is what you're saying. <laughs> what did you think, Tyler? Do you have any final thoughts? Oh, no, it was kind of disappointing in how generically nothing was paid off at the end of this. And the heroes just win. Hooray. I don't know. It's a letdown after last episode actually being, like, kind of decent. Do you have a low point? Or, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm so disappointed in this episode, I skipped right to that. Do you have a high <laughs> point, Tyler? I do actually um i didn't actually talk about it a whole lot or i think at all during the episode but the score on this episode is actually surprisingly decent the music is doing as much work as it possibly can with this generic ass plot zach do you have a high point uh what was my high point i think i might have i might go with the fact of how silly the haro looks in the cockpit of the big zam that is legitimately fun it's good visual comedy you jeremy what's your high point it's real tough I think I'm going to go with essentially the same one, but say just like, oh, the villain was like, Haro all along is actually funny for a second. It, it's weird and tonally dissonant, but it is funny and it serves as a way for the villain to escape to his big zam. Uh, Tyler, do you have a low point? Hmm. Just how nothing the characters have learned the entire time helped them defeat the big zam and that it, I don't know. They didn't even really learn anything to going into this. Yeah, like, if, if there had been any life lessons, and I guess it would necessarily involve Ayame, because she's the only person who's had character development so far, like, anything that had been relevant to the show was relevant to this final battle. Or if, as Jeremy pointed out, if it was some kind of big turning point for Riku, like, getting confidence or something like that. If you don't mind me preempting you, Zach, my low point going off that is that the big thing is Riku's like, oh no, I care so much about GBN because of all these memories and my friendship. And the show can't even throw together a montage of all these moments that have been super important to Riku because there haven't really been any. 
So instead, all they do is fill the time with all the super attacks. And Riku saying, oh, no, I love GBN. It's the best. Buy all the play sets and toys. Am I right? Ha 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 ha. Do you have a low point, Zach? Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to have to go with the fact that the way they win is just a big ass pull. Like, it's, it's not an earned thing. It doesn't feel great. It just feels like they win because the writing requires them to win. Like I mentioned, I generally accept that the protagonists are usually going to win. And sometimes it's going to seem that way. But uh, one of the episodes, or one of the series that I'm currently watching, uh, I, so I'm a spider, so what? as I have noted when I was talking to Kevin about it, she wins, but it feels in a lot of places like she's involved in like a Dark Souls fight. So she keeps getting out of things with like very little HP. So yes, the main character is winning, and you expect that, but it's not like, oh, I'm succeeding because I just automatically will succeed. Whereas here, it's just like, yeah, we gave you all kinds of free power up just because why the hell not? Because we couldn't be asked to write uh, to actually write a way out of the hole we put ourselves in. It's even more frustrating because they don't even have to win here, right? The writing doesn't actually require it. They've got 13 more episodes. They can do anything with this. Yeah, instead they're like, yeah, they have to win now. And so instead they go with the ass pull so that they do win here, despite the fact that it's like, you're halfway in. Like, the good, or the bad guy can win. This can be the Empire Strikes Back. You knock the characters back and they have to recover. I don't know, Zach. Sounds like that might include stakes. Well, that's the other problem, isn't it? So much of that kind of stuff that makes for interesting storytelling requires stakes, which... Gundam Build Divers is a, is terrified of? Build Divers has so little stakes you could mistake it for a vegan. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Final thoughts? I think I mostly said mine. It's just really disappointing after coming off of last episode. Yeah, I would agree with, I would agree with Tyler. It's It's... Very disappointing that they had what was a, actually a pretty good character episode for Ayame in the previous episode. And then in this one, it's just like, hey, look, it's an action sequence all the way through. And not even a particularly good action sequence. Is there a mobile suit we want to add to the list? Nothing comes to mind that we really need to throw on here. But is there anything that you guys are like, oh, no, this one. We should throw this on here. Nothing jumps out of me. I was going to facetiously suggest the big Zam. But <laughs> we can throw the real ass big Zam on here if you want. I'm not against that. Oh no, I'm only half serious, so. Eh. Okay, that sounds like a no then. I mean, I feel like if we wanted to do like the big Zam, we should wait until we do a series like uh, that actually has an actual big Zam in it. I feel like this is basically the big Zam. I mean, w- and we're never going to watch the original series. It's not going to happen. So join us next week when we will be watching episode 13 of Gundam Build Fighters Duel. I don't think Izak shows up. Uh, Tyler, was this Gundam or was this Isekai? Given the bullshit overpowered nature of the hero and the weird stuff that happens around that, I'm actually going to say this episode is more Isekai now. Zach? I have to agree with Tyler. Aspol plot, super overpowered hero? The hero with no character whatsoever? Yeah, I gotta go with Isekai. Although, it's funny, I say that and I'm currently watching a couple of them and their characters are actually very strong. So, maybe that's not a hallmark of that genre anymore, or at least the good ones. All right, join us next week where we will decide if this is a harem anime or not. Bye!